Welcome to the Sandbox. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And I can't even believe it, but we're sitting here two years on. We've been doing this for two years. It's been the longest two years of my life, really. <laughs> my, I don't even like you that much. I never really have. <laughs> <laughs> we we started this thing, uh, Sandbox Cooperative Podcast, two years ago with the arrogance that we have really good conversations and everybody needs to hear it. Yeah, we're ridiculous. That's why we interview more people than uh, we talk ourselves because they're actually the ones with the good stories. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's just been great that uh, so many of you have been with us on the journey for some of you for all of those two years. Some of you have just joined up with us lately, but thanks for, for being with us. Uh, as you know, we had a road trip out to the East Coast, I don't know, a few weeks ago and had just a ton of fascinating mm-hmm. conversations, a ton of Pringles. Uh, I'm still eating them. I like. I, I, I I'm still working on a can of Pringles in my office uh, as we speak. But uh, lots of Pringles, lots of conversation, lots of miles logged, and 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 we can't wait to share the actually the conversations with you in the in the months to come. But right now we're working our way through the last of the interviews from our last road trip out, out to California. Yeah, so today we're talking with Roger Woolsey. Roger is the director of the Wesley Foundation United Methodist Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Um, he's a writer and author of the book Kissing Fish. It's an introduction to progressive Christianity. And we talked with him a bit about his book and also just kind of expanding our ideas and ways of interpreting the Christian tradition. So with that, here is episode 45, Kissing Fish with Roger Woolsey. So we want to welcome Roger Woolsey into the sandbox today. It's good to have you here. Uh, Roger is, tell me your title. So I am the director of the Wesley Foundation United Methodist Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado at Boulder. So I'm an ordained United Methodist pastor, and I'm also a writer and advocate and general troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. And, and you wrote a book called Kissing Fish, I understand. Yes, Kissing Fish, subtitle Christianity for People Who Don't Like Christianity. And it's an introduction to progressive Christianity, sort of from a, a Gen X perspective. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so I was raised in the United Methodist Church and um, happily didn't really experience church at its worst. I didn't mm. experience church that I felt a need to run away from. Yeah, uh, I did, of course, as you know, young people tend to do, check other things out for a while and and sort of go and walk about and and leave what was familiar. But came round to yeah, landing back to where I was eventually. Um, didn't really do campus ministry stuff during my college years, but my senior year, I found a campus ministry at McAllister that was uh, one of the two that they had at the time. One mm. was rather evangelical, semi-fundamentalist, and one was this really laid-back, totally student-led, lovely community mm. experience. And that reminded me, that, yeah, the, the solo approach to Jesus isn't quite enough for me. I need the, the, the group setting. I need some... Mm some fellowship in my life. So mm. that was a switch for me. Two years after college, I uh, felt a call to ministry, uh, one of those mystical bumps in the night kind of talks. It's not a common thing in my life, but it mm-hmm. did happen. It wasn't Roger go be a United Methodist pastor, but it was definitely a invitation to share more about God with others in, in all aspects of my life. 
my home church encouraged me to consider that as a call, and I visited the Iliff School of Theology in Denver and fell in love with that school at first sight, mm. and uh, it was a good fit for me. Um, cool. They are one of the more liberal United Methodist seminaries, and um, I was in those years that there was this shift from liberal Christianity towards progressive Christianity, so a shift away from the modern era mindset towards the postmodern era mindset. Mm -hmm. And I was noticing it, and finally, a little bit after I graduated, found some authors who were speaking to it directly, like Marcus Borg and and some others, and found myself really fed by those folks, and that's that's my understanding. It really jibed with me and, and made sense to everything I was already thinking. And there were some words to it, so I knew I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Boulder, long story, we'll fast forward to that, 11 years ago, and I was starting to work with campus ministry and noticing things are different than when I was a student. And uh, Boulder is a little bit like Asheville and Austin and some other cities where being faith of any faith is kind of rare, actually, mm-hmm. um, and Christianity even more rare. Um, and so as I started talking with students and learning about their relationship with Christianity and their impressions, there was a lot of wariness, and the most common wariness was if they, if their friends knew that they identified as a Jesus follower, as a Christian, that they would be concerned about what those friends would think of them, because they don't want to be confused with so many others who are sort of distorting and misrepresenting the faith in ways that they don't want to be part of. Yeah. I want to be Christian, but not that Christian. Not yeah. that kind of Christian. Yeah. 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 And right. so, and interestingly, uh, I, I divorced about that time. Mm. And I, after a little bit of healing and recovery, I started checking the waters of dating again and noticing that on Match.com and OK and all these dating sites, most of the women were identifying as spiritual but not religious, and not many identifying as Christian. And I was like, hmm, what's all that about? So I started dating some of these women, <laughs> and about 50% of those women that identified as spiritual but not religious actually were Christian, but didn't want to label themselves that way for fear of being written off by potential suitors, for thinking mm, that they wow. might be mm-hmm. that kind of Christian. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people with hangups around Christianity. And so I, on Pearl Street in Boulder, it's, it's, it's the drag where every, all the tourists go and you see people with clipboards asking you to sign petitions and give money to Greenpeace and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, for two weekends in a row, what is it now, 12, 13 years ago, I forget exactly just when, um, I uh, asked people two questions. Have you heard of conservative Christianity? Everybody said yes. And we're talking mm-hmm. up to 250 people or so. And then I asked those same people, have you heard of progressive Christianity? Over the course of the weekend, those two weekends, three people said yes. Seriously. Three wow. people. So I'm like, okay, we have an awareness gap. <laughs> we have an awareness gap. Branding issues and all kinds of <laughs> yeah. Now, this issues. Would have, this would have been um, mm. in the starting the three years before I wrote the book. The book was published in 2011. And uh, so three years before that was when I started doing that research. Um, and it, it became clear that, oh my gosh, I, I need to help give birth to this piece because Marcus Borg and John Shelby Spong and Diana Butler Bass and um, a lot of great people writing some great stuff, but somehow missing a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, I'm, I'm a little younger and maybe, maybe my perspective matters. And so I wrote Kissing Fish and um, it's sort of a, 
a wedding of a conversational down-to-earth Don Miller blue like jazz style mm -hmm. mixed with a little bit of Marcus Borg's uh, more scholarly style sort of, sort of a combination mm -hmm. of those approaches and uh, it's doing pretty well I'm, I'm pleased with it it's it's, uh, it's not a national bestseller or anything right. but it's doing pretty well and the uh, there's a fan page for on um, Facebook for it and it's got about 180,000 followers now and wow. so there's there's a platform in a Mm -hmm. uh, I get to interact with a lot of neat people and real and help them realize they aren't alone, and that's that's mm -hmm. what I love is helping people realize they aren't alone. They feel like so isolated, and, and as we've kind of gone throughout the last couple of years with with Sandbox, we've discovered all kinds of people are like, "Wait, you're talking about this?" You know, and they and they can feel feel completely alone mm -hmm. in that. The name Kissing Fish. I love the name, and I'm and as I sit here, I'm looking at a, a poster of of two fish. Could, could you tell about this? Sure. Where it comes from, what it's all about. All right. So, the the fancy French word is a double entendre. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's got two meanings. Um, so on one hand, the kissing fish refers to back when I was at Iliff in uh, 1992. I had a Jeep Cherokee, and during that time, there was this road war going on. Uh, on I-25, the corridor from Colorado Springs to Denver to Boulder, you would see these Darwin fish, mm -hmm. and you would see these Christian fish, and sometimes you would see the Darwin fish swallowing the Christian fish, or you'd see the the uh, Christian fish swallowing the Darwin fish, or you'd see the Darwin fish humping the Christian fish, or all kinds of variations. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw a dinosaur eating a Jesus fish one time. Yeah, yeah. So there's all these, and I'm like, wait a minute, there, these people on both sides don't quite get it. Right. They both have distortions of what science is and what Christianity and religion are. And I knew, my dad's a chemist and I, I grew up knowing about carbon dating and realized that evolution is in fact how we came about. And so for me, the idea that God is the creator and use creation, evolution as the means to help bring us about, that's, that's totally fine. I get that. I, it isn't even a conflict. They are not incompatible or mutually exclusive to, to be a scientist and to be a Christian. And sort of growing up with my dad as a chemist kind of was proof of that. He, mm -hmm. he was both and still mm -hmm. is. Um, and so I went to the Christian bookstore and bought the, the, the Jesus fish, and I ordered online from this new AG, that's Northern, Northern Sun catalog company in Minneapolis. <laughs> I got the, uh, the, the Darwin fish, and I put them both on the back of my bumper of my Jeep, kissing each other face-to-face, -face, <laughs> just as a quiet little witness to say, hey, we can get along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I had all sorts of people, I would look in my rearview mirror and they'd, I could see them like buzzing and talking and giggling or whatever. <laughs> um, and that was, so the part of the book, in part, that title honors that reality that science and contemporary ideas of the 21st century don't have to be incompatible with Christianity. The other piece is, long before the the cross became the symbol of the faith. Christians were actually pretty wary of identifying with the cross. It was like, Ugh, that's, mm -hmm. a, that's, that's a sad, traumatic, horrible thing that happened to Jesus. And the idea of wearing that around your neck, that yeah. took a few hundred years. Yeah. But, too soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but the fish was the first symbol yeah. of the faith. And so the idea of inviting people today to reconsider Christianity, not necessarily with an agenda for them to become Christian, but just to reconsider learning more about it or hearing another perspective 
is admittedly like inviting someone to kiss a fish, which is not a very compelling creature. A koala bear or a cat maybe, but a fish, <laughs> not so much. So um, it sort of honors that part of it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else should we know about what you're doing or what you're seeing? Or Well, um, so the book... I mean, I was like being pregnant with a child, as best I can describe. It really needed to come to term and get out in the world. But that opened doors to some things, blogging for Elephant Journal, blogging for Huffington Post, and more recently, blogging for Patheos. And so in the blogging, you know, 800, 900 words at a pop, that's where I'm able to, like, live life with college students, hear what's going on, the struggles of the day, struggles of uh, geopolitics that they might be talking about, ponder it. And then put words to it in a uh, in a blog, and put that out into the world. And so there's a circular kind of flow of living life with the students. Maybe uh, also the news streams that I get, how those interface in my own life, and then putting some words to it, putting it out in the world, seeing the reaction, and just sort of flowing like that. So um, the blog is called the Holy Kiss on Pathios. It's part of their progressive Christian mm-hmm. portal. Um, and so that's my more recent work. I have a couple of authors who have been wanting to co-write a book with me, and I've not been jumping fast to get back into the book writing saddle. But mm-hmm. increasingly, the, the folks who wrote a book called Living the Questions, uh, which yeah. is also an introduction to progressive Christianity, they're wanting me to work with them on uh, getting a teenage youth-oriented version of kissing fish out, or mm. at least not necessarily of just kissing fish, but of an introduction to progressive Christianity specifically aimed at teens. And uh, that probably will happen in the next year or two here. So, cool. Nice. And so what do you... A couple questions. Uh, where, what frustrates you, and where do you find hope? Well, it seems, you know, if you spend any time on social media, there's a, a apparently endless stream of prominent Christians in the U.S. doing ridiculous, saying ridiculous, boneheaded things that really give most commonsensical kind of people a bad taste. If, mm-hmm. if that's what Christianity is, why would they want any part of that? Right. And it'd be nice to think, okay, that happened, but now we're going to recover. We're, we're addressing those things. And oh, and then it happened again. Or, oh, and then it happened again. And you, you all, I don't need to go through the litany of the possible mm-hmm. things, but just the hypocrisy, the, the judgmentalism, the, the, just the things that, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, not those things. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they keep happening. And that, that, that frustrates me, sure. With every natural disaster, it's because of... The terrible people there. That's why that happened, or or, or we passed uh, legislation that allows for gays to be married and across the country, and therefore we're getting punishment payback for it. Like right. what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. yeah. And that's out there. But where do you find hope? Well, with the college students who seem they seem to weather the the craziness of those occasional things pretty darn well. They take it in stride, a lot of them. Um, and seeing people that have made changes. I, I think of a guy named Brian who 
was active in ministry with me a few years back who really hardcore Rush Limbaugh listening, conservative, jock radio kind of rah-rah, hate those ragheads, those Muslims, mm. terrorists, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just anti-gay, anti-women, just angry guy. And, and then he shifted. Hmm. And now he's in a uh, part of a different church community, and he's a straight guy, and he's a, their number one advocate for becoming LGBTQI friendly, inclusive, and welcoming. And he's shed all of that hang- that anger and that hate. And I'm, I've seen basically a Saul to Paul kind of mm. transformation, and like those kinds of things. Like, well, that really happened. <laughs> there really <laughs> is Holy Spirit power. To change people's lives for the better, where they're less angry, less grumpy, less grudgy and judgy, and ah. So when I remember those people that that have made some changes, okay, these bad things happen, and yet some good stuff's going to happen too. So hmm. made me think of another question: Where do you find resistance, and how do you handle that? Hmm. Well. I clearly get resistance from conservatives who come across the book or the uh, the blog or the Facebook page, and uh, that I can handle that. That's that's part of the, the culture, and mm-hmm. I, I sort of have some pity around it because I, I feel like okay, these are the 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 death throes of a of a dying species, and they're getting out their last yops, and and that's okay, and I, I have com- compassion around that. So I, it's sort of a, a it might sound patronizing, but it's sort of a compassionate pity approach that I, oh, that's where you're at. Mm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the the, uh, the folks that are fellow progressives that are either more ideologically rigid, like they have no grace gracious spaciousness around the conservatives in their lives. They, they, mm-hmm. they can't see how God could possibly be at work in a fundamentalist ministry or a congregation or person or family. And to have such a, a rigid perspective is limiting God and what God can do in their lives. And uh, I find that frustrating if people are super rigid with their progressiveness um, and, mm-hmm. and totally... Mm-hmm therefore alienate others it's it's sort of missing the point right. of what we're well, trying to do well and we i mean uh, we see that frequently kind of all over all over the place with, with this kind of stuff you know it's like oh well, yeah we're 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 very tolerant unless you're conservative and then we don't really have the to- i mean like that's that's a the danger of kind of moving into that progressive space um so we we do have to be careful to be uh to still be compassionate, to still be aware of the fact that these are other people that that matter that we're yeah. that we're talking to and, and living with. Now, I don't want to be a hypocrite. It is the case that the Kissing Fish fan page on on uh, Facebook, there are some stated rules for the page, and if people follow those rules, they're happy to participate yep. on the page in the forum. But if they are constantly attacking homosexuality or saying that it's sinful and they're 90% of whatever they're posting is scripture and not really actual conversational interchange, then, then it becomes 
my shepherd role kicks in and I want, mm-hmm. I want the forum to be a safe space for people who are trying to be away from some of that attacking stuff. So uh, what I'll sometimes do is I'll send a, a direct message to that person and say, hey, let's you and I talk about this off forum right? and uh, sort of sh- shift it away from the main forum mm-hmm. as best I can. Uh, yeah. There's it, also, there's also the, the idea that, you know, Chris and I have been talking about, um, I think we heard it from Jay Baker um, mm-hmm. a year or two ago, and, and he's, you know, he's like, where people try to out-progressive each other, and then it becomes a feeding frenzy. So, you know, I, you know, I'm doing really good work around economic justice or I'm doing, but I'm not doing as, you know, but, but I'm called out for, I, you know, I'm not, um, doing enough around creation care, you know, like, oh, you know, and, and it becomes, uh, some sharp elbows in there in, in that, in that realm. Well, and, and this is the kind of thing that the apostle Paul spoke about, right? Yeah. The, the, the body has many parts and the mm-hmm. thumb can't say to the knee, hey, we don't need you or, you know, <laughs> um, we need to be reminded of some of some of the good stuff that's t- tried and true and time-tested uh, that's actually part of our heritage. Um, I, I get, oh, yes, well, my frustrations. I get frustrated when fellow progressives are solely about Jesus and somehow think there's a dichotomy an incompatibility between Jesus and his message and Paul, as if Paul mm-hmm. was somehow didn't get Jesus's message, if somehow distracted and distorted it and made it made it patriarchal and like, uh, he might want to read a little more. <laughs> um, I, so I, I, I have some frustration around that, that false division between Jesus and Paul and like, no, come on, just mm-hmm. read the more recent scholarship. I'll, come on now. Um, Hang in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And and so I, I I say that because I just brought up that reference of Paul and the body, and yeah, know, that wasn't yeah. from Jesus. That was Paul talking about right. that. And there's yeah. wisdom. There's truth there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing that you could tell people that you could like, just one one single idea that you think everybody needs to know, what might that be? Wow. All right. This is one that comes up a fair bit. Not not that specific question or wording, but I frequently get feedback from more conservative Christians saying, hey, in John 14, verses 6 to 7, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And therefore, how can you be okay playing in the sandbox with other religions as equal playmates, how, how can you do that? that that's, that's doing a disservice to the faith. And so my response to that is, if Jesus said those words in John's gospel, we'll just work with that. If Jesus said those words, we gotta take that into the full context of the other words that he said in the synoptic gospels and in other parts of John. And Jesus was about inclusion, not exclusion. And so to the extent that that's true, he's not serving as a gatekeeper keeping people out so much as simply stating a a reality, a truth, that, yeah, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He incarnated that. He lived it out. And that way of unconditional love, of radical forgiveness, of radical hospitality, of loving kindness, of mercy, of compassion, of pursuing restorative justice, by whatever name, whether or not someone's even heard of Jesus or not, if they're living in those ways, 
they're on board. They've got it. And there's no need for any more conversion. Maybe we can learn from them. Hmm. So it's true, and there's more. Hmm. I love that statement. It's true, and there's more. I hear Roger talking about a reality where it's not so much either or, us or them, my way or your way. Instead, I hear both and, and also, yes. It's true, and there's more. What if we move beyond a dualistic understanding of reality, and not just in faith and religion, but in politics, family dynamics, workplace drama? What if we moved past the dualism of winners and losers to a third way, to a more expansive and inclusive and buoyant and robust, abundant worldview? I can assure you, it's much more costly and time-consuming way to go, but it might just be what the world needs right now. Unconditional love, radical forgiveness, radical hospitality, loving kindness, mercy, compassion, doing restorative justice. Living in this way is not either or, us or them, insider or outsider. It's yes. It's good. It's true. And there's more. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. For more info about the book Kissing Fish, you can check out our show notes. And to stay up to date with all the things going on in the Sandbox, sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, rate and review us on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the podcast and join us in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it. There's always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox. 